I want to start, as we have been doing in verse 14, just to catch us back up on where we are for context's sake. We're in the middle of a prayer of the Apostle Paul. Um, he was explaining the mystery by which Christ sent him and uh, was reminding them that it's to our advantage that he is going through these tribulations, verse 13. So we pick up in 14. He says, For this reason I, ne- I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that we would, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We pick up this morning in verse 20. I want to read this from the Amplified Translation. It says, Now to him who in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. If there wasn't a shouting verse in the Bible, that's, that might be it. Now to him, who is him? Him is God. Now to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm starting with verse 21, or else I know that we will never get to it. It appears to me that this is what Paul was beginning to say, is now to him be the glory. But he got sidetracked with a little praise break in his unique style. And don't worry, we are going to come back for all of verse 20 in its epic nature. But I want to just quickly look at 21. To God be the glory in the church. Does the church really share in God's glory? Oh yes, that is not blasphemous. It is biblical, in fact. It is Jesus. Turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I'll show you what I mean this morning. Again, the Lord's Prayer uh, really should be called the model prayer. John chapter 17 is really the Lord's Prayer, or what is noted in my Bible as the high priestly prayer. But this is when Jesus is not teaching the disciples to pray, but rather he's alone and he's praying to the Father about some specific things. And we don't have time to read all of it this morning. It's a beautiful prayer. If you're not familiar with it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I want to just pick up at verse 20, although we're looking at verse 22 through 24. Jesus says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, he's talking about disciples, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may All be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. He's praying for unity among the believers to the level that God is equal with Jesus and Jesus equal with the Spirit, the Spirit equal with God the Father. There's a unity. There's a special divine unity that happens across the Trinity. And that's what he's praying, that there would be this supernatural unity in the Holy Spirit. Verse 22 says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Now, I want you to understand this picture here. There is something about the glory of God that is the unifier. He's giving His glory or sharing of His glory that we might be unified together. What's the vision of the church? This church specifically. That the New River Valley would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Him. His glory is a unifier. That's a freebie for you. Verse 23, I in them and you in me. Jesus in us and God in Jesus that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may continually know, it's an ongoing verb, continually know that you sent me. Not just one time, but they may be constantly reminded that God the Father sent Christ and loved them even as God loves Jesus. Excuse me as I was changing some pronouns there for readability. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. We share a piece of the glory of Christ Jesus in the here and now. It is the unifier in Christ, okay? But it will be further experienced in heaven. You can look to Revelation chapter 19, 7 and 8 if you'd like. But here we have a picture of the church um, putting on these, this white linen and shining like Christ. Well, we talked about this last week, didn't we? The transfigured Christ on the mount. He was shining, he was radiant and, and beaming. And this is the same picture we see in Revelation when the church is caught up before in the presence of God Almighty and we get to be married together and consummated in Christ Jesus. There's a glory and there's a picture of, of us participating to a degree in his glory. It's not that we are anything glorifiable. It's not that we are good in and of ourselves. It's that Jesus is sharing a piece of himself. He's reflecting his image through the church. Not, not as individuals. Understand this is the believers in Christ together. When we come together, it's a reflection of that glory. He's trying to show the world that the church is to be beautiful because of the way that we interact with each other. Why does God hate divorce? Malachi 2.16 well, there's probably a lot of reasons. That's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? What I was thinking about this week as I was studying and looking at this picture of the church shining like Christ on the mount and all of the radiance as we're perfected and been given a glorified body, I had this image come into my mind. God hates divorce because he would never divorce himself from the bride of which he has already given his glory to. Listen, there was no prenup. He didn't say, if you change your mind, I get all of my glory back. 
Nope, his glory was partially given the day that he betrothed himself to us on earth with the promise of more to come when the marriage is consummated. It's like he gave this promise, a little piece of his glory, in what we do as a form of an engagement ring, don't we? But even that, in those days of the Bible, betrothal could not be reversed. It was just as strong as a commitment as marriage of itself. And so Jesus wants us to understand that he's pledged to us. And so there's this picture of unity which cannot be broken. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a taste of what is to come, but I want to wash you entirely and make you shine like I shined on that mount so that the world may see me in you. The world may be pointed to me through the way that you shine and reveal my glory to them. It says to him be the glory. It's not to the church be the glory. Understand that. We reflect the image of the glory of God. We're back in Ephesians chapter 3. It says to God be the glory in the church. I'm not sure if you're getting this. That the new river be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. How does that happen? Well, firstly, I think this hails back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. We looked at this verse a number of weeks back. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. That the manifold wisdom of God would be realized through the church to all the principalities and powers in the dark places. That is, God is using the church to reveal his glory and to speak a message which he has talked about since the beginning of time. The restoration of all things. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. There's a day coming. And guess what? The church is to be that messenger to not just the world, but also to the fallen angels. He says, to God be the glory in the church. Yes, we are not only partakers of that glory, we are instruments by which his promise is to be fulfilled. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I think part of our vision statement is very key here. That God wants to use tried stone to be so filled with Christ and the unity that we can only have through the glory of Christ by being filled with the Spirit that Blacksburg and the New River Valley would come to know him, would come to know and see him face to face. They would not look at me. They would not look at us as individuals. They would not look at us as, oh, members of that church. They would look at somebody that comes from this church as we leave from here and say, you look like Christ. That's the vision, that we would be carriers of that truth, reflecting the glory of Yahweh God throughout Blacksburg and the New River Valley. And this comes back full circle to glorify God, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. God is glorified forever and ever through those that submit themselves to the Holy Spirit and look like Christ. Now, as much fun as I'm having speaking about the blessing of Christ over us this morning, we need to move on to, or back to 20, because we've only eaten just the cherry on top of the sundae and I don't want the bowl of ice cream to melt. Who is able? 
to him who is able. Now, Scripture does not say will. We might think that. It might be nice to think that. One of the great tragedies of Romans chapter 8, 28, is that most often only the first half of the verse is quoted. You know the one. God causes all things to work together for good. I hear that a lot. But there's a condition, there's a stipulation to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Yes, God can do anything He wants. He is sovereign, He's all-powerful, but He is not going to do whatever you want just because you ask. Here's another one. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Does that promise from Jesus give us the right to ask for anything and everything we want? I passed a real nice Maserati yesterday on the way to the store. Louis has been talking about that red Corvette for a number of years now. Is that what Jesus was saying there? Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. No, Jesus is, was not saying that he was a personal vending machine. Rather, he's encouraging confidence in faithfulness and prayer. When Jesus is saying, in my name, he means that we can pray in his authority. He has provided the access that we need to heaven. So bear in mind, when we dwell on the beauty of this verse, that God is able, he is not obligated. I certainly hope that it is obvious that it is requisite that we pray according to the will of God, and for that we must abide in the vine so that his motives become our motives and his will becomes our will so that when we pray and we do the things that he does, we in turn, it is out of that place that we can turn and, and ask the things that are in his name and he will do them for us only when our motives are right. God who is able, he is able. It is God who is, has the say to work and to intervene. Do I believe that God can? Absolutely. Why? He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's sovereign. Do I believe he will? I can't answer that in a general sense, for I don't know perfectly the mind of God in all things. Again, I want to stress that we must firstly pray in line with his will for things to be accomplished here on earth. Know that it's not just motive that it's a hindrance to answered prayer or unanswered prayer. Consider also sins, disobedience, as hindrances. There's idols, unforgiveness, there's doubt. Do you remember the uh, father of the demon-possessed boy? He says to Jesus, he's, he's throwing himself in, on the ground in fire and he's foaming at the mouth and he says, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. And Jesus says, if? If I can? He says, all things are possible for him who believes. And the, the man says, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief, right? Doubt can be a hindrance to seeing our prayers answered. How many times do we hear that? Why wasn't so-and-so healed? Why wasn't my prayer answered? Let's be honest with ourselves here. I don't think that most of the time we want that answer for the sake of those that we were just praying for, but rather we want it for our own consciences, for our own pride. That is, when it boils down to it, I think we are more interested in why God didn't grant our wishes or desires than we really are about being aligned in His will. In other words, I think most of the time we are more interested in pleasing ourselves than we are in pleasing God. 
We want to unlock the formula to how God responds so that we don't look silly next time we pray for something and it doesn't come through. Am I right? Do you remember Peter? He was rebuking Jesus when he was foretelling his death. How'd that turn out? No, Lord! Why did that turn out the way that it did? Was Peter's request selfish? Was it wrong? Well, I don't know the heart of Peter, but I will say this, that he was in the flesh and not seeing the bigger picture. He was not seeing that God had sent Jesus on a mission to die for the sins of the world. And if Jesus had not done that, then there would be no salvation. We would all be destined for hell forever. How many times do we ask for things in our short-sighted eyes? Oh God, this would be so much better if you did it this way. Do you not think that there were probably believers that were praying for John the Baptist to be released? Would it have been wrong for that to have been a prayer? We must understand that God is outside of time. He's bigger than us. He knows the end from the beginning. And I want us to be careful here, for we can, it's just as common to go too far to the other extreme with this. You know that type of prayer. We're probably all guilty of it at some point. Lord, please heal blank. We'll say Bob. We got a Bob in here? Lord, please hear Bob, if it be your will. Oftentimes, we are so concerned about getting outside of God's will that we neglect what Scripture has already taught us about that particular matter. Is it God's will to heal Bob? I believe so. It's his name. He's Yahweh Rapha, the Lord that heals. Doesn't he want Bob to know that he is the healer? I believe he does. So we sort of hedge our boldness in this masked humility. Well, uh, 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 sorry to bother you, God. I know Jesus died for our healing and all, but could you just please um, do this? And, uh, don't, but don't worry about it if it's too much trouble. You can do whatever you think's best. I'm just your humble servant, God. Hear me out. The key is that we be so full of Scripture and the Holy Ghost that our spirit man already knows what to pray. When we don't know what to pray, probably the best thing to do is to pray in the Spirit. After all, it is the Spirit that prays in our weaknesses, Romans 8, 26. I wonder if you, like me, have ever forced a prayer in English because you were put on a spot, a request that was given to you, and you end up stumbling, stumbling over your words into English because you're trying to sound spiritual and mix in some Bible truth on the spot, but really God didn't release you to pray the thing that you were praying? Is that just me? Well, maybe next time we sort of pray in the Spirit first. Say, God, I don't know what to pray. Help me. Isn't that what the Spirit does? We should not be speaking out things that we have no business speaking out until our mind can catch up with what the Spirit wants us to speak. I, I humbly request that we get so filled with the Spirit we allow God to speak through us. It's not wrong to pray for Bob's healing, but there's a matter in which we ought to do it and say, God, how do you want me to pray over this man that needs your touch? Maybe Bob needs to forgive somebody first. Maybe Bob has some things going on in his life that are much more important than his bum knee. I wonder how many times we miss what God wants to do because we open our mouth before we ought. God who is able. 
Whatever it is that is on your heart, God is able to do it. But we must remember that we see on a limited scale. We are in time, we are small, he is outside of time, and he is great. God can do it, but just because he can do it doesn't mean that it's in your best interest for him to do it. We need to be able to trust that God knows what he's doing rather than trying to give him ideas. We need to pray into his will and not just make suggestions. Consider these. I've got an example for us. Father God, if you be so kind and find it within yourself, my friend has cancer. Would you mind making him more comfortable until his body should succumb to the disease that the doctors discovered? How about this? Father God, let me be a light to my friend. May I speak only your words of truth over him. Give me the strength to walk in your boldness as I am filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit resurrection power. Sometimes we feel like we have to minister to the precise need of what we see and perceive with our eyes, but God wants us to do something much bigger than we can perceive because our mind is getting ahead of what the spirit man is doing. God wants us to slow down. What if I want you to resurrect him from the dead in a week? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that too big of a request? Did I touch on something? <laughs> Wait a second. I thought we were talking about healing. Now you're talking about resurrection? Yes, I believe it's real. I believe God can do it. Above all that we ask or think. Is that not what we're talking about this morning? Oh, church, God is able. We must not magnify our agendas over His. Let's continue. God is able to do far more abundantly beyond. The word is uperek perisu. It's a compound word meaning hyper beyond measure. There's not a good translation in English. I just want to remind you that our God is a God of more than enough. He didn't just feed 5,000 men and women and children a snack. He made a point to fill them and then take up 12 baskets of leftovers. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. He is able to do far more abundantly beyond. The NIV says immeasurably more. The King James says exceedingly abundantly above. I like that better. It's, it's to this very great degree beyond the superabundance, beyond the excess, the surplus, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary. It's more than sufficient. How many of you need a surplus miracle? Oh, miracles are great, right? But our God wants to give you a surplus miracle. Give God some praise if you, if you need an above the ordinary kind of work. We serve a God of more than enough. He has an overflowing blessing for us. He wants to give us an extraordinary taste of his joy. He wants to pour out over you his profuse anointing. He has beyond the excess kind of peace for you. He wants to bless you more than sufficiently. Oh, get it down into your spirit, man. Hannah asked for a son. Oh, Lord of hosts, if you would indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give to the Lord all the days of his life. Did God have to give to Hannah a son? No, but he did. And guess what? Five more babies after him. God didn't just give Abraham Isaac. He gave him seven more sons. My God wants to bless your socks off more than all that you could ask or think. That is more than all that you can articulate or even comprehend. Some of you are big brains, smarter than me. Sorry, God can do more than you can think up, more than you can dream up. 
Most often our thoughts surpass our words. We get stuck. We can't put things into words. I'm sure Shakespeare might have been the other way. I bet he pontificated. He just had all sorts of words for great scenarios he didn't even think about yet. He just wrote with his pen. But not most of us. We can think things up that are pretty big. We just can't write it down. Some of you got good rapid tongues. I don't know. But guess what? God's power to act is far above and surpasses both your mind and your tongue. Understand this. Dwell on it. It is impossible to petition God for too much because his capacity to give far exceeds the believer's ability to ask or imagine. We ask for a cup full of water. God created the oceans. We know the warmth of a fire, but God made stars hotter than the sun. Our minds are finite. They're, only, they're feeble and they're weak. And because it is not possible to ask for anything that we have not first thought up, we must concede that even our boldest request is limited and feeble. It is conducted in partial knowledge. I reckon that the only way we can make a request as big as God is to have God himself make the request on our behalf. That is, that we would be so completely given over to the Holy Spirit that it's not us asking, it's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us that says, Eric, I want you to ask this of God. We must not pray with our minds. We must also pray in the Spirit. We dream up good things in our minds of how God can use us, but we should be asking the Spirit to put dreams into our minds of His purpose and plan and His will for us. Have you ever described distance or time to a toddler? They have absolutely no concept. Utterly useless conversation. I'd like you to try and talk to Josiah after service and tell him how long a mile is. Just, just see how hard it is. I think that's how we are with God. You say, what? Is that all you can... Why are you asking for that? You know, we're, we're on a journey. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why don't they understand? We're going to be there in six hours, okay? We just left. We got five and a half to go. Are we there yet, Daddy? Because their world is smaller than ours. Their experiences are smaller than our experiences. Are you getting it? God's living outside of time. He says, look what I've made, and we're just perceiving a little bit. We can just see a little bit into the, the universe with high-power telescopes. God says, oh, guess what? There's a whole lot more that they haven't even discovered yet. To a toddler, Christiansburg seems far away from Blacksburg. That's how our request must seem to God. My child asks me for crumbs when I've just baked a hundred loaves of bread. He prays for a talent when I've set aside ten for him. He asks for a dollar and I've minted trillions. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would so fill our minds that his ways would be our ways, his thoughts would be our thoughts, and his words would be our words. Not only to pray that so-and-so would get saved, but we begin to pray a bold request like, God, would you heal our nation? We want our nation to come back to you. How many of you have faith? My God can do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I can perceive in my mind, I can imagine an awakening where presidents and governors and senators and, and thousands and millions of people come together and bow and repent. That's what I want to happen. I can perceive it. Guess what? God can do far more than that. The question is, do you believe it? Oh, we're praying, we think, a bold prayer. 
would you heal so-and-so? How about this one? Somebody walks in here without a limb. How many of you would think, God wants to heal that person and grow a limb out? Right? Can God do that? Why are we praying for one person in the hospital and not going up and down the hallways praying that God would empty the hospital? For those that are in healthcare, I'm sorry. God wants to put them out of business and reveal his great glory and his power and say, ooh, guess what? This hospital is no longer in operation because Jesus resides here. I can think it. I'm not even smart. We need to dream bigger. If you can fathom or think it up, then it's not bigger than what my God is able to do. It's not the hand of the Lord that limits the blessing we receive. Rather, it's the, imagina- or the limitation is our imagination. We don't just pray to be rid of crutches. We ought to be praying for wings. Yes, magnify God in your minds. Get a hold of this verse and expand your faith. Ruth Paxson, she says, What petitions have we asked? What desires have flooded our hearts that we dared not voice? Is it possible he has power to do all for us? Yes, above all, still God's power has scarcely been tapped. Abundantly above all, surely the limit of even God's power has, has been reached. No, not yet. Exceedingly abundantly above all. And yet God's power is not exhausted, for he continues to give even after we stop asking and only harbor the unuttered thought, yet still there remains a vast residue of power unused after unbelief has stopped our asking and stifled our thinking above all that we ask or think. See, you can ask for every good thing you have ever experienced. God can do above that. You can think of or imagine things beyond your experience, and God can do above that. You can imagine good things that are beyond your ability to name and God can do above that according to the power that works within us. Listen, it's not our power. You have no power. It's his power in you. What power is it? Dunamis, the resurrection power, the creative power. It's in us. It's that abundant power. Oh, I think we fail to recognize what God is capable of doing through us because we want to honor him. That is, we sort of think that some things are too big for us to be useful. So we just kind of shrink back and pray that God would take someone else over and do that. But, you know, we, we do this out of a, a humility. Oh, God, I, I'm not capable of that. Or, or we're insecure. and We say, God, I'm not ready to do that. But it's God's power that works within us. Listen, it's not you. Why are we limiting to God and telling him, I can't do that? He doesn't want your abilities. He wants to display his power through you. We need to stop limiting God because we think that it's us that's doing the work. It's according to the power that works within us. We just need to give it over to him and say, God, well, you have to be Lord. I can't do that. He's saying, great, that's what I've been trying to teach you all along. Step aside. Let my Holy Spirit come inside of you and let me accomplish the work through your hands. His power within us, He wants to use us. He's decided to use us. He didn't have to. How many of you want to be used by God to accomplish His will? Church, it's how Jesus gets glory. He wants to use us to teach Satan a lesson. He wants to use us to preach peace to the world. Seal and pause and meditate on it. He's able. God is able to do. God is able to do what we ask. God is able to do what we think. 
God is able to do what we ask or think. God is able to do all that we ask or think. God is able to do above all that we ask or think. God is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly above all, abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm nervous. I'm getting nervous that you're not getting it. Bear with me a moment while I try to pass along to your spirit the truth that's been resonating within mine. My God created everything from nothing. He flooded the earth, but he never stopped loving. He delivered Israel from the hard heart of Pharaoh. He told us he would always care for the sparrow. When they were trapped in the desert, he parted the sea. He killed the wicked army and set the captives free. My God made the walls of Jericho fall down as Israel marched 13 times around. My Jesus resisted all of Satan's temptation and became the church's sure foundation. My Jesus defeated the devil, that snake of old. On that day he resurrected, of which he foretold. My God is able to make the lame man walk. He is able to heal the leper and make the dumb talk. He is able to heal the deaf man's ears. He is able, if you let him, to take away all your fears. My God is able up in heaven to open the scroll. He is able, most certainly, to save your soul. He is able to know you and to make you known. He is the only being able to sit upon the throne. My God is able to turn dull water into wine. He is able to live inside you to make your light shine. My God is able to deliver the most demon-possessed man. He is able to do abundantly beyond all that we think he can. My God is able to descend from heaven with a shout. He is able to make it rain in the midst of a drought. My God is able to love you while you are still a sinner. He's able to set free those who want to be delivered. Have you not considered all of this? Did you not realize there's a sword from his mouth and a fire in his eyes? He is able to rinse you, forgive you, to cleanse you, relive you. That means to bring life, to set you free too. He is able to save you from the devil, yourself, and all mankind. He gave us power to open up the eyes of the blind. He's able to heal you, reveal you, that is, to the Father. I know this is true because he is the author of life and the word and everything in between. He wants you to believe in the things that are unseen. He wants you. He is able to justify and glorify you too. He will never let you down. He'll always come through. My God is able to establish. He's able to provide. He's able to deliver you. This is all because he died. My God is able to keep you, to raise you and resurrect, to make you new and better, to make you perfect. My God will never leave you nor forsake you, for his word tells us that is true. Never doubt my father. He is only ever good. His promises never fail, for they've all withstood. He is able to do much more than that we think. My God can do more than the things we dare not speak. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Give him some praise.